Hello and welcome to McNulty and DeLorean, the podcast you've come to rely on for sober reflection on today's events. Um, yeah, but you're not sober, and I'm scared of reflecting. I've had a few Mexican beers, but the point is, we're still, even intoxicated, we're still better judges of everything than you are. Yeah, that's 100% yeah. right. Or your friends or family, so... Your friends and family don't love you like we do, and you should probably disconnect from them. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are, uh... I don't know. I mean, are we keeping the same name, or... I think... I feel like we should... To... Okay, so we're pivoting. We're we're toying around. We're toying. We're pivoting. We're toying around with the idea of pivoting the podcast to be about movies, I personally don't think we should change the name, number one. Okay. We, we need yeah. to test drive sure. the pivot. Mm-hmm. And I'm not building a new site. Gross. <laughs> I, I feel like we should we should test out our new format. Yes. Of being a movie show. And, uh, and nice. just leave everything as it is. And then if down the line we decide we want to pivot. Yeah the actual branding of it, that's fine. But we're still McNulty and DeLorean. We still are. I mean, that doesn't change. And we're still going to end up talking about ourselves. That's true. also just movies. That's true. So this is now a movie, pod- it's a cinematic appreciation podcast, mm-hmm. or CPA. It's, uh, or C- C-A-P. Cap. Or C, cinematic appreciation Cap. podcast. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't, I can't uh, f- uh, form acronyms when I've been drinking. That's all right. This is what we call a cap. It's a cap. <laughs> <laughs> so we watched a movie called The Florida Project. We literally just finished it. We just finished watching it. It is a movie that came out in 2017 or no, 2018? I, no, I think like 2015 or 16. No. Yeah. What? Uh, Google it. Um, and what I knew about it was that it is about broke-ass people who live in a motel on the fringes of the theme parks in Orlando. And I thought Scott had seen the movie, and I thought it would be an interesting movie to talk about because Scott grew up in Orlando. I sure did. Uh, This this was my second time seeing The Florida Project. Um, 2017, bitch. Oh, shit. Well, I know I I definitely heard about it probably right at the beginning. I I first heard about the movie on NPR. And I thought it sounded really interesting, and then I watched it, um, I think it was on Prime at one point, and um, now it no longer is, but we watched it on Vudu. Anyway, uh, it's a Sean Baker film. Sean Baker is the guy that made Tangerine, if you haven't seen that. It's a very similar style of filmmaking, uh, where there's really no actual plot, per se, and it's very realistic, almost like a documentary. It's what they call a slice-of-life film. It's definitely, it's a, uh, it's an, it's an essay, it's an S.O., L. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> so, we, so we're Scott, doing a... We're Scott doing, all the hot industry <laughs> terms. We're doing a CAP uh, on an SOL <laughs> film. Yeah. Called uh, TP, <laughs> TFP <laughs> for the Florida Project. Oh, God. And, um, okay, so the movie stars Willem Dafoe. Yes. He's the motel manager. Yes. And then... Bobby. Bobby, and then it uh, stars this unknown actress that you told me about how she was discovered for this movie, which is a really interesting story. Yes, she was discovered on Instagram. Uh, the the filmmaker Sean Baker uh, somehow found her on 
And you know what? We probably should have looked up her name because I don't even know her name. Oh, I have it up right now because I was looking at pictures oh, of her. What's her name? Bria Vina. Yeah, she's got a really ethnic name. But like, Vinate? Vinate, yeah. Vinate? She's she's white. She's a white lady. But she's, she's from New York. Yeah. And um she was uh I think what okay, this is I'm gonna say what I think I remember hearing on NPR is that she went to Disney World. She literally went to Florida, went to Disney World just like on a vacation on a trip and she was Instagramming the whole thing. And Sean Baker was was writing this movie, The Florida Project, which was about people that live in Orlando, like right outside of Disney World. And he saw her and he was like, this is the perfect girl for this movie. Mm -hmm. And then he contacted her and um, she's like, well, I've never done any real acting before. And so he like did a, did a screen test and he, they liked, he liked it. You know, he liked how she looked on film, but she was still, you know, she didn't really have. She didn't really know how to act, so he yeah. sent her. He sent her to like acting school for like six months or something. Wow. Yeah, she got she got coached, but um, the movie basically follows really her daughter, her young daughter who's about six or seven. And her name is Mooney, mm -hmm. and her friends, and they just sort of they live in a budget motel. Yes, outside of Disney World. And the kids are kind of like a roaming pack. They're very feral. Uh, they're very feral children. It's a lot like the movie Kids, where. If you grew up in the suburbs with, a, like, a stay-at-home mom, when you saw kids, your reaction would have been, where the fuck are their parents? Yeah. And this was kind of like that, except for the children are much younger. They're all, how old would you say they are? Six, seven? Yeah, they're around that age. They're yeah. very, very young kids, and they all just are knocking on each other's door, saying, let's go play, and they are, you know, spanging for cash to buy ice cream and like Is it spanging spare changing oh I, I know that that's what the crusty kids call it oh. spanging you want to oh. go spanging oh. um and so they're kind of just Ugh. yeah they're running wild yeah it's a really uh, interesting movie um uh it has a very sad end i think the ending is very sad delorean was completely unaffected by it <laughs> except to say that she didn't like the style of of camera they used for yeah. the for the ending shots um Meanwhile, I was in tears. <laughs> uh, Scott was not in tears, and I just... I was. I was actually holding back tears. <laughs> well, what I've learned podcasting yeah. is that although I do feel very deeply about things, they mm. aren't usually the things that other people feel deeply about. Yeah. And um, in having conversations about my inner life with other people discussing their inner life, um, it makes me feel like maybe I'm robotic. Uh, yeah. And that is just what has happened uh, when through the through the art of podcasting and having these deeper conversations with people, I've come to find out that, you know, I, I didn't think I was on the autism spectrum, but I'm starting hmm. to feel like perhaps I am. You might be an android. Oh, God. Yeah. Do androids dream of electric sheep? They do. Yeah. <laughs> And then I was make, trying to come up yeah. with some sort of like pun that involved farts, but like I just couldn't get there. Like, because yeah. if I were if, if I were an android, why am I so gassy all the time? You have to release uh, the various gases that build up in your. It's a, it's a combustion yeah, engine. Yeah, it's a combustion engine. Yeah. yeah, I need to speak to my genetic designer and get that fixed. Oh, so um, is it Tyrell? Yes, it okay. is Tyrell. <laughs> that was a uh, Blade Runner reference. It sure was. So. So in this, uh, in this movie, we follow the kids and their kind of adventures while their parents are not around. Uh, and some of them, it's because the parents are working parents. Um, the main character, the Instagram actress, 
she doesn't work. She right. buys. She's one of those people that pedals knockoff perfume in parking lots. Yeah. And so she spends most of her day just chain smoking, staring into space <laughs> or at the TV while her kid runs around. And then, you know, if, if she has to pay rent or whatever, she will sell these perfumes and then she gets busted uh, and chased off a of property for uh, soliciting and she says she alludes to the fact that she can't get arrested again yeah so then because she can't risk doing this perfume hustle she ends up prostituting herself yes which i didn't even realize was happening at the time because they're very interesting the way that they allude to it is they show her putting on a sexy outfit and telling Mm. her daughter they're going to take bikini photos so her daughter takes the pictures of her (laughs) and then it just shows the daughter playing alone in the bathtub behind a closed door and that's how we know she's hooking in the main room of the motel right so well Um, this this is something that i didn't notice the first time i watched the movie but uh watching the second time i realized that um you actually see so the mother's name is Haley. you see Haley bathing mooney uh a couple times early oh, early in the film okay. you see her bathing her and then all of a sudden after the whole perfume hustle ends you see mooney bathing alone like three times mm-hmm. and um i didn't realize what was going on either but it's basically like if you're a sophisticated film watcher you realize oh something's changed like how come she's ba- how come the child is bathing alone it's because the mother Haley, is in is in the room uh getting 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 it on for this, money this yeah. is i think sophisticated is a good word to say this is a sophisticated film you do need to pay attention to the tv yeah because they follow my favorite rule in both screenwriting and life which is show don't tell yes and so if you aren't paying attention you'll miss that they set up these little visual patterns where they'll show something again and again so when you don't see it you know something is amiss right um so yeah, yeah, and I think the like the whole uh, the re- um, I can't think I can't think words right now. Yeah. But uh, the genesis of this film came from the fact that the filmmaker Sean Baker, I guess he had gone to Florida, and he realized that there were all these like really like cheap, shitty budget motels like around the theme parks, around mm-hmm. Disney World and Epcot Center and all that. And that I guess he found out that a lot of people were actually living in these motels. Mm-hmm. And he thought that it was, you know, really interesting that, you know, Orlando and Disney World is supposed to be like the happiest place on earth. You know, it's like a place of fantasy and, you know, where childhood dreams come true. And yet there are people that are living like on the margins of society, of, of any society, really, yeah. you know, that are right, right outside the gates of this, uh, this theme park. It's a movie that really resonated with me because I, I, as Sydney mentioned, I grew up in Orlando and uh, I hated it. And uh, growing up in Orlando, you you really, well, I'll say I. I don't know if other people feel this way, but I mean, I hated Disney World and everything mm-hmm. about it because uh, it makes your town. It's like if you, when I hear people talk about like, oh, I just had a really normal childhood. I grew up in like some small town in Illinois or something. Like I'm very jealous of that because your childhood in Orlando is never does does not seem normal even if you have like a you know a nuclear family and everything is good because yeah. they're it's a city that was built around and for Disney yeah and it's built specifically for tourists mm-hmm. and there are always like more tourists there than there are like residents is at least what it seems like and there are people like driving around in rental cars and you know this is before GPS like looking at maps while driving and getting into accidents as a result of that and and like clogging up traffic and 
you know, and you're just like, what the fuck? Like, go home. Like, why are you here? <laughs> you know, and it's very, even as a kid, you're just like, God, like, just get the fuck out of here with your white legs. <laughs> you know, yeah. like everyone, all these pale tourists like walking around and you're like, get out of here. And uh, it's just, you know, and I've never liked theme parks and I didn't, I remember actually going, I have only like a faded memory of going to Disney World once, although I'm sure I've, I went more than once, but. I just I don't I didn't like it even as a kid like it's just too crowded I don't like crowds I don't like people and mm-hmm. uh, so yeah I'm not a fan of it uh, so for me it was really interesting to see a movie that like shows that yeah there's like real people living outside of Disney World that are struggling well and, uh, I didn't li- I didn't grow up in budget motels but I mean you know the interesting thing about Orlando or Anaheim is that the harsh reality between the show and be, I will say backstage is yeah. so um, drastic. Yeah. And so versus a normal city that was founded on either having a rail station or even yeah. Phoenix was founded on being the stopover on the way out west for right. people. Um, and so because theme parks are a show to the point where Disney calls when you are on the clock and you're on in the park working – their employees are called cast members. Yeah. And when you are on the job, it's called being on stage because yeah. it is the show. Yeah. And so that sort of glossy pseudo reality, which mm-hmm. a lot of people don't like. I love because I'm painfully aware of reality, but also as an artist, I like exploring alternate uh, presentations of life. Mm-hmm. And so that is why I do like theme parks. But that the, the abrupt change between okay here's a place that people spend hundreds of dollars per person per day to be there and then the reality of the city behind that where the people making that fantasy are making minimum wage yeah. so you have a whole city where the majority of the employees the the majority of the employees in that city make minimum wage and there's an influx of people with disposable income yeah that none of the residents have that is a drastic thing and mm. so you know you you get that in orlando and i was trying to talk to a coworker about that today because i was saying florida is weird and tacky in a way that i really enjoy <laughs> but a lot of people don't because the whole city or the whole state was founded around cocaine money and tourism <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so there's a tacky cash grab aspect yeah. to it it's not a naturally evolved state where yeah. it's you know I don't know, based on mining or lumber or anything. It's a very weird place to be from. Mm -hmm. And uh, I still, I don't even like it. Like, my least favorite question is when people ask me, like, where are you from? Because I hate to say, I usually just say Arizona, you know. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, because Florida, when you tell people, like, I'm from Florida, like, oh, really? Like, what's that like? I'm like, shitty, you know? Yeah. (laughs) And uh, it's funny that when we moved out to Arizona, I was 16, and I was, like, as soon as we moved out here, I fell in love with it immediately just because it was... I was like, well, there's nothing out here that's advertising Mickey Mouse or, you know, there's no like strip mall stores selling like Mickey shirts and Mickey hats. And, you know, you just get so sick of seeing that image everywhere. Yeah. And um, so I just like, yeah, it's just, it's just just people living in a desert. You know what I mean? And I was like, love it. Yeah. You know, like immediately it was the most real thing I've ever, you know, real place I've ever lived. So I'm like, yeah, this is where I want to live. So um, uh, oddly enough, my older sister hated it here and she couldn't wait to move back. And she eventually did after college. Mm-hmm. And, and she's now, you know, takes her children to Disney World you know, quite often, actually. Yeah. She's a season ticket holder. 
So, um, and I don't know. And it's, it's odd because her and I see eye to eye on a lot of things. And we've never really talked about Disney, which is interesting to me uh, because we grew up in it, but we never really have discussed it. But she seems to like it now, mm-hmm. you know, like taking her kids there anyway. And to me, it's like I don't even want to ever go back there. You know? Well, you so. know, it's interesting. Um, I listened to an interview with the musician Moby, mm-hmm. and he was talking about how, you know, in his younger, like, punk rock days, like, he used to hate places like, you know, you walk into a Starbucks and it's all yeah. clean and orderly and, like, any of these, like, kind of, like, anything that was, like, bourgeoisie or whatever. Yeah. Because he was like, this is fake. This isn't real. And then he said, you know, I got to a point where I spent enough years of my life, you know, sleeping in vans and on couches and, Mm. you know, being amongst the grit. And I realized, like, that's no more real than these, like, cleaned up versions of life. Yeah. He goes, now, like, I do enjoy those things because I just spent enough, I spent enough time in the more, like, reality. And now he enjoys, like, a, a, a cleaner, more organized, peaceful environment. Oh, yeah. Which, but, which is often associated yeah. with affluence, which makes sense. Yeah. You know? And I think a lot of New Yorkers have that, like, mm. being like, this is real. And it's like, yeah. and L.A. is fake. You people in your Hollywood Hills homes. And he's like, I used to be that person, but now I'm like. Mm you know what, this this is also real. <laughs> yeah. And so I think, you know, different environments speak to different people. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a terribly social person. Uh, I don't like, I generally don't like crowds. Um, I don't like loud stuff. And yet I, I love a theme park. But there's, for me, it's an environment where I feel very safe in. Mm. And so, and I feel a safety there that I don't feel in most areas of life. And so I think it just is like what theme parks to me and a lot of like theme park fanatics, they gift us with something that we're missing in our daily lives. But like, if you aren't missing that, then it's definitely going to be like a really gaudy, loud, abrasive Mm -hmm. environment for you. Yeah, but see, okay, I I mean, I get what you're saying, but I'm not a fan of, like, I've lived in enough shitty apartments yeah. <laughs> and, and shitty places, to, you know, and I live in Chicago and, and everything, and I'm like, I'm not one to be like, oh, no, I only want to live in, like, gr- gritty underbelly, like, no, I, I love affluence, I love cleanliness, I love, like, I love going to a, a clean yeah. Starbucks and, like, sitting on a nice, like, sofa in a Starbucks and listening to fake jazz, and you know what I mean? Like, I love it. I just don't, like... For me, the theme park issue is, one, crowds. I don't like crowds. Mm-hmm. And it's not so much the theme park itself. It's actually living in a city where the theme park is. It's yeah. living in a city that – and I think it's it's really anything where you're living in a town that the entire town is about one thing. Yeah. And it's in your face all the time. Because yeah. Orlando is – there are – every store, every restaurant, like everything that exists in Orlando – is geared towards tourists mm-hmm. like and it's basically disney themed in some way or another and there's nothing there that's like you know it's kind of like a giant middle finger to the residents it's like we don't care about you like we, we only exist for the tourists people yeah. that are coming in and so that's very you know it's like i don't like uh, the idea of like going to a place like jamaica or something and and visiting because it's like well then i feel like i'm i'm that person the, the, the tourist you know what i mean uh-huh. And that's what I don't like is the idea of where, you know, you live in a place that doesn't give a shit about you, you know, and, and, uh, but that's, and that's something that a lot of yeah. towns have. So 
In Arizona, we have a town called Bisbee, which yeah. is a quaint, small town that the only fucking economy there is tourism. Yeah. Like, anyone who's making money there is making money from tourists, but the locals are outwardly rude to tourists. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, okay, but also that's the only money that's coming in here because you aren't producing anything else. Yeah. So you can't really have a problem with it. And... Like, I... I mean, you can. <laughs> yeah, you, you can, but, like, my friend said her and her boyfriend spent a weekend in Bisbee, and yeah. everywhere they went, people were openly rude to them, like, mm. oh, what are you doing here? Yeah. And it's, like, bringing you money. Yeah. So, I don't know. Well, if you're, like, a restaurant owner there, you're probably going to be polite. Yeah, but, but all the other yeah. locals were, but it's, sure. like... yeah. I don't know. It's very, it's very weird. So... Like, for me, I don't find the Disney thing offensive because it's almost, like, so blatant and shameless, like, commercialism, Mm -hmm. where I'm like, yeah, no shame in your game. Like, get that money, you know? Um, And you're creating a quality product, and you've created a brand identity that gives people a dopamine rush when they see your logo, and they just hand over your money. And it's a really good example in, like, marketing and commercialism and consumer manipulation. Like, it's basically Disney gets an A-plus in terms of being, like, a commercial company. Like, they're very, very good at getting people to part with their cash. And so, uh, from someone who, like, you know, studied marketing in college and stuff, like, from an artistic and a marketing perspective, I'm kind of in awe of it. I'm like, yeah, good, grab that money. Um, But then there's other things that I'll absolutely hate. Like, I hate when I see places selling, like, Phoenix Pride shirts and it's just Mm. home and it has a heart on it inside the state or whatever. Mm. I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ, quit trying to create a state identity or whatever. But to other people, that makes them very happy to see that. They love the Phoenix Pride stuff. So it's just different things, I guess, get under different people's skin. Um, But, like, I – because I just – I have a very short – someone who works at local and independent businesses, I fucking hate people who, like, just go on and on and on about, oh, have you been to this local place? Have you been to that local place? Yeah. They have locally sourced blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, I just don't care because I feel like I'm in a Portlandia sketch talking to you. And yeah. And, like, mm-hmm. maybe I should care more because I actually, that is how I pay my bills. But, <laughs> like, I find all that to be as, like, cheesy and ridiculous. It's just a different branding. Rather than being mm. like, give us your money because this is Mickey Mouse, it's give us your money because this is local. And hearing the word local is what mm. lights your brain up and makes you want to part with your money. But it's all fucking selling. Yeah. And so, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I think just growing up in it is, you it's know, different. it sours you pretty pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I don't, yeah, I don't like tourism economies at all. Even when I lived in Chicago, Chicago is a very touristy city. I mean, and New York is this way now, too. So is San Francisco. You know, uh, it's like big, big major cities in America have become like tourist centers. Mm-hmm. They're tourist attractions in, the, in themselves. Yeah. And it's very annoying if you live in them. You know, living in Chicago was, and you know, I would never go downtown yeah. because when you went downtown, there were just tourists everywhere well, in yeah. the summertime, you know, and I'd be like, get the fuck out of here. You know? well, that, so. was, that was, and you know what, here's a good perspective on it. Like that was me when I lived in New York. When you yeah. live in New York, you don't go into, you know, midtown Manhattan and that's where I worked and maybe it's less bothersome to me because that's also how i make my money yeah so i work in hospitality Mm. and so like i think if i were just trying to go to like my business job every day and there were tourists in my way i'd be more annoyed yeah versus to me 
that's money. So whenever there's a big sporting event in town or anything like that, I make more money. And I make money by telling people, oh, you should check out this place. Have you been here? You should go, like, mm. and I deal, especially because one of my jobs is at a place that's the number one in Phoenix for what we do on Yelp. So on a daily basis, I'm dealing with tourists. And so, like, for me, I'm like, it's just money. And yeah. I like money. And I like making money, so, like, I'm less bothered by it versus mm -hmm. if I didn't work in hospitality and I had to be stumbling over tourists when I was trying to go to the beach or whatever, I'd be annoyed. But instead, mm. that just is dollar signs to me. Well, I mean, I just don't like, um, you know, I like visiting places and I appreciate wanting to go somewhere and see something new. Mm -hmm. But... Um, there's like a certain type of tourist that I just don't like and they really get under my skin and that's the, so, the type that go to Florida. <laughs> yes. And, and Chicago, you know, yeah. like, uh, mm -hmm. so there's a lot of, um, I used to drive these trolleys in Chicago and, um, I basically had two main jobs or one was like, I would, I would give like a paid tour. You would buy a ticket to this tour and I would give it, you know, drive around for four hours and show you Chicago. And, um, and then the other job was the city in the summertime used to pay our company, to provide free transportation to basically just be like a, the free trolley in Chicago. Okay. So you could just hop on and, and ride. And of course you didn't get a tour in, mm -hmm. in that. It was just like, it just was like a, like a circular route, you know, and it just stopped at different places. And I used to hate, hate driving the free trolleys, hated it. Everyone else I worked with, they loved that because they're like, Oh, you don't even have to talk. You don't have to give a tour. You know what I mean? I just drive and like, you still have the tip box on there and people would still, you know, they would give you a dollar here, a dollar there. And you, you know, end up making like maybe 50 bucks at the end of the day or whatever. Mm -hmm. But for me, every time I drove that, um, so there were more people than there were like capacity on the trolley. So there's oh. only like four trolleys like going around, like, you know, and there would be these enormous lines of people like waiting and I would pull up and I'd be like, I can only take like five people and they would get furious mm -hmm. this happened day in and day out like mm -hmm. people just getting furious and to which i would very calmly say i'd be like where are you trying to go like oh i want to go to the sears tower i'm like okay look to your left it's four blocks that way mm -hmm. so are you gonna take us there yeah you see my point? Yeah, no, I get <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. You you walk four blocks, man. You know, and then I would circle around, circle around, and the same people would be waiting in line uh -huh. for hours to get on the stupid free trolley uh -huh. when it's four blocks away. This would happen all the time, and I would be like, I want like you deserve to be murdered. Yeah. In my in my opinion, you deserve to be killed because uh -huh. that's just blatant stupidity right there. And uh, so I hated that shit. Whereas when I gave the tours, I would actually be like educating them on the history of the city and architecture and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I would always make more money on the tours because I'm pretty good at that sort of yeah. thing, you know? And uh, so, yeah. And it, and it used to, those incidents used to take me right back to my Orlando childhood where I'd be like, what the fuck is wrong with tourists? Like, well, but uh, <laughs> that is, that is like human beings. Yeah. I have had people come to my restaurant every Saturday for years. Yeah. And they still will try to order something that we don't sell and they claim that we've had it be there before. Yeah. Or they, you know, it's always fucking something where like, you know, like I just, I mean, I deal with people who are functionally, I know I'm not supposed to say it, but they are functionally retarded. Yeah. Where I'm like, you are the d dumbest person yeah. I have ever met. You're holding up your phone and grunting and pointing at pictures of a different restaurant's food on Yelp. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know what the fuck you're doing, but 
give me your fucking money. Like <laughs> that's, I mean, and that's, I, I, I like in everything to prostitution because I mean, I'm more or less, I'm nice to people for money. Yeah. And like prostitutes will fuck someone and <laughs> for money and, um, but you're that really, they do. yes, they do. <laughs> and I, I'm, I, I host people in my space for money and yeah. I treat them like they aren't fucking idiots, even though they are. Sure. Um, and so I just am like, Oh yeah, absolutely. You know what? We actually don't have that, but, mm. um, you know, that sort of thing. And they get mad about stuff that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And you just, I just smile and I take their money. And so it just, people aren't very smart. And the more you interact with them, the more you get frustrated and sad about the world. Mm. And then that explains why when I'm, I'm not at work. I only listen to podcasts by smart people. Yeah. I listen to podcasts with academics because I spend most of my time, you know, yes to people who are idiots. And I just, I don't really like talking to people outside of work. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't blame you. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, what else about the movie? I mean, it's really just, it follows the, the, the child and her friends and they run around like feral children and, um, and Willem Dafoe is a daddy in it. Like I, I've never yeah. been attracted to him, but I was in this movie. He was very attractive, and he was very. We they kind of explain there's a dynamic with his son. Yeah, and his son would come out and help him out on weekends, and the son finally said, "I don't want to do this anymore." Yeah, like he was coming out to spend time with his dad. He didn't want to be helping at this shithole motel. Right, and then it explains why Willem Dafoe is so kind to these residents. Whereas most people wouldn't be as tolerant of their behavior because the main character Haley is one of those people who's super reactionary to everything. Yes. <laughs> like she wasn't raised right and she has no common sense no or common intelligence. Sense yeah, or intelligence. She's not articulate or well mannered, and she basically reacts to everything with aggression. Yeah, and Willem Dafoe is very nice to her, and so I think they kind of explain that by showing that he isn't raising his own children yeah so yeah like he probably has some regrets in his life and he's kind of making up for it now yeah you know, and, and he uh, just wants to look out for people yeah and isn't approaching it as to whether or not they deserve that yeah care. um yeah. so oh yeah it's a really uh interesting film i recommend it and um i think you should also check out tangerine if you haven't seen it you it's, should check yeah. out tangerine yeah mm -hmm. very similar style uh, on the on the other coast yes yeah, yeah this this director's going coast to coast oh yeah coast he's like he's like space coast. ghost oh yeah <laughs> mm -hmm. or uh, art bell yeah yeah exactly yeah r.i.p <laughs> is he dead now yeah oh uh, yeah Coast to coast. Yeah. It's such a weird show. It is super weird. Everyone, if you want to listen about or learn about one of my favorite conspiracy theories of all time, the Johnny Gosh case. Yeah. Um, there's a three hour coast to coast that's up on YouTube. Just look up Coast to Coast mm. Johnny Gosh and uh wow. Does he say that he was abducted by aliens or something? Or, uh, no, know. it was the government. It was the uh -huh. government's child sex ring. Oh, my God. And Johnny Gosh's mom claims that he came back and visited her years later and um, said, you know, no one knows I'm here. You're not allowed to, like, say that you know that I, I'm still alive or whatever. And now there's this um, 
uh, during the second Bush administration, mm. there was a White House reporter named, like, something with the same initials, JG, mm-hmm. and he looks like a grown-up Johnny Gosh, and people say, like, why, and he has a fake degree that he bought online, and they're like, mm. how the fuck did this fucking guy end up a White House mm. reporter with a fake degree and a history doing, like, gay sex stuff on the internet for money? And people say, oh, well, it's because it's Johnny Gosh, and he's been owned by the government, and they raised him up as, like, a child sex slave, and... Oof. Oh, it's a great, it's like a great conspiracy theory. And it's yeah. one of the good ones where enough of the peripheral, peripheral facts <laughs> make sense. <laughs> do check out. Yeah. That then you go, okay, then where is the lie in it? And it has just, it has everything. Yeah. It has everything. Um, uh, did they ever find his body? Johnny Gosh? Yeah. No. They oh, wow. never found his body. And this kid who says, uh, well, he's not a kid anymore. He's an adult. And I can't remember his name. Uh, it sounds a lot like Paul Iannone, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to our friend Paul. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, so this guy says, I was in the child sex slave ring and they had me help kidnap Johnny Gosh. So I know where he went. He went to this mm. place with me in this place. And then I got out. And... Um, Who's the guy who does Unsolved Mysteries? Robert Stack. Robert, I believe it's Robert Stack, did a special with this guy. Yeah. And went around to these places where the the guy the guy said, yeah, this is where they held us. Mm. If we go in there, you'll see, like, this was carved on the ceiling. There's a basement holding container. And they go to this weird house in the middle of nowhere. And there is a weird, creepy basement. And there are, like, weird carvings mm. where people, like, you know, and so it's one of those things where there are enough facts involved that can kind of be proven that makes the crazy part. You're like, well, maybe I'll buy it. I don't know. But it's, yeah. a, it's my favorite, funnest conspiracy theory. Um, and if, yeah, anyone wants to go down a YouTube rabbit hole of watching videos <laughs> about Johnny Gosh, it's amazing. That seems really that's so sad for his parents, though. It is really sad for his parents. Well, and his parents ended up getting divorced uh, because the thing was, this in this small neighborhood, a boy was going missing like every year when Johnny really? Gosh went missing. And they were an hour away from the Franklin Credit Union, which was busted for child pornography and child sex trafficking wow so it's very easy to assume that those boys were disappearing because they were being kidnapped by the people involved in that franklin credit union scandal yeah it would probably be safe to assume that johnny gosh is dead and he was kidnapped and yeah. he was prostituted and he was murdered yeah um but then the thing about his mom saying that she has seen him Mm. as an adult and everything that happens after that is probably a Pulp Fiction sort of situation. Yeah. But very, uh, scintillating. Well, I think a mother in that situation is going to be fairly easy to manipulate. I mean, if you can go to her and and you look anything like her son, you can be like, I'm your son. And you know, I mean, there's just, you're going to, 
And if she know. hasn't seen her son since she was nine years old, uh, yeah. and now he's 27. Of course, she's going to hold on to that. Hope, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So. Um, and someone mailed her photographs saying of a young boy that was like tied up mm. um, in a sexual thing, saying this is Johnny. And people say the kid in the pictures is younger than when Johnny disappeared, so it's not your son. Yeah. But she believes that it is. And a lot of this could just be people fucking with her. Yeah. Um, but that White House reporter refused to take a DNA test. Um, who's that horrible mm. court reporter lady who was all about the Casey Anthony case? The top mom. Is oh, that I Nancy Grace? Nancy Grace oh, probably, was like, yeah. well, why don't we just do a DNA test? If you want to prove you're not her son, let's do a DNA test. And he said, I don't have to do that. I'm not going to do that. This is ridiculous. And we said, where's the DNA? <laughs> this podcast took a, took a left turn. <laughs> <laughs> Which is encouraged. I love the conspiracy theories. Not that I believe them, but I find them to be very fun. Yeah. Um, and one of my favorite people that I've ever dated on our first date, uh, I said something about enjoying conspiracy theories. And he said, you know, I, I teach a, a class in conspiracy theory rhetoric at the local university. And I said, wow. so are we in love or? Yeah. Oh, we're going to go get some coffee and then we'll decide after that if we're in love because fate, yeah. man. Yeah. Uh, conspiracy theory rhetoric. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, because basically there's a lot of, I guess, verbiage that they use as part of their argumentation that is is fascinating to a linguist to talk about. Sure. I don't know. But I asked him his favorite conspiracy theory and his mm-hmm. is... The classic. He likes a little JFK. JFK. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. What's his theory? I wonder what happened there. I don't remember. I just remember what that dick looks like. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, welcome to Sydney DeLorean's world where I'll remember basic facts about you and everything about your dick. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> Have you ever heard that theory about how the Secret Service agent actually, like, accidentally killed JFK? Have you heard no, that? No, that's a good one oh man yeah that's a there's like a there was a documentary on netflix that's how i uh, yeah like they there was this guy that did a um um like a report on it Mm -hmm. and he was like hired by the nra to look into it you know i don't know why the nra you know whatever anyway he did a report and he found that uh his conclusion was that the car that was directly behind the limousine was a secret service car Uh uh-huh and that uh, that uh, Oswald actually he did fire the rifle, you know, mm-hmm. but because like the first shot, first couple shots that Oswald fired like didn't hit, you know, they uh-huh. they were they were misses, and um, apparently, what this guy's theory is that uh, when the shooting started, this Secret Service agent uh, brought up like his he had an M sixteen. And he accidentally pulled the trigger, and he's the one that actually shot. Oh, uh, that's like the most believable story ever. Yeah, it actually does sound very believable when you get into like the nitty gritty of it. Because, oh, really? well, the whole magic bullet thing, where like the bullet, you know, they say they they found the bullet later, and it's like a pristine bullet. You uh-huh. know, it's not like that thing is like that whole theory. Like that's definitely fucked up. Like they, yeah. you know, because basically, like he got shot in the head, and they were like, "Where's the bullet?" And they're like, "Oh, well, we couldn't find it." You know what I mean? Like it went all the way through. And then they said, like, oh, no, we found it, like, later that day. But it wasn't distorted at all. Yeah, exactly. It was, like, a pristine bullet. Or, like, you know, everyone was, like, that's not a bullet that entered a human skull, you know? Uh-huh. And so uh, his whole, this guy's whole theory was, like, yeah, because the Secret Service accidentally <laughs> killed him and they didn't want to admit it. And they're, like, well, look, this was a legitimate assassination attempt. There was a guy trying to assassinate yeah. him. So what difference does it make? Like, <laughs> but 
yeah, essentially, just, it makes a huge difference, you know. So just knowing the government, that is the most reasonable story. Yeah, exactly. Also, huh. I actually thought it was pretty reasonable too. Like when you when you watch the documentary, you're like, oh, a lot yeah. of this, a lot of this makes sense, you know. Huh. And um, it go it gets weirder too because like the guy that um, supposedly would have pulled the trigger, mm-hmm. his life like fell apart after oh. that, and he became an alcoholic and like got drummed out of the Secret Service and like. And when you ask, like, his family, you know, like, what happened? They're like, oh, we don't know. He just kind of went off the rails, you know? And it's like, well, there's a really good reason, you know, this would be a good reason for that, you know, because he accidentally shot the president, you know, and they covered it up and, you know, he couldn't live with the guilt, basically. So, uh, you yeah. tell me the name of that and we'll put that on our movie list because that sounds fantastic yeah i don't know if it's i don't know if it's still on netflix this is like two or three years ago well, i watched it but still, yeah that's that sounds like it's worth renting yeah it was pretty uh it was pretty interesting uh i mean it still puts oswald in the in the jackpot because he was actually he there was trying. yeah but it's like yeah but you he know didn't actually kill the president right because huh. a lot, you know, there's been a lot of speculation about like he couldn't have hit him because yeah. he was a terrible shot, and and the angle that he was at was a really bad angle. Mm-hmm. There was a tree in the way, all this, you know, all this stuff. So yeah, and that basically yeah. solves it. Like, yeah, why does you know X number of things line up with him committing the act, and then some doesn't? Like, oh, because he he did everything but shoot the bullet that actually went into the president. Right. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and this guy who did the report was like uh, an expert rifleman, oh. like an expert, and that's why. Was it why... my brother? Or... Is he what? Was it my brother? <laughs> it might. It might have been your brother. Might have been my brother. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Isn't that like his Twitter handle or something? Like expert rifleman or something. <laughs> Very close. <laughs> Very close. Yeah. I don't know if I'm ready to give that away on the nah, podcast. Sure. Understandable. Uh, but my brother is a noted <laughs> firearms professional. Yes. Where sometimes he gets recognized in public, and it's very weird. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's uh, it is very weird to think that my brother is a pseudo celebrity <sighs> in his line of work, which is guns. Yeah. Um, I'm a pseudo celebrity in my line of work, which is podcasting and fucking people's dads. So yeah, yeah. it's like, oh, what are you going to do? I'm, I'm, do? I'm a pseudo celebrity at my company to yeah. the point where like people have said to me, like, if you travel, if you walk around that building, that corporate office with me yeah. for any length of time, the number, the sheer number of people that will say hi to me and is, that know my name is, yeah, it's a little bit, uh, you know, if, if you're a new guy in town, you'll be like, what? How does everybody fucking know you? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, because I'm Scott McNulty. You're Scott McNulty. What you more do you me? need? That's, yeah. all, that's all you need. Yeah. All right. Well, um, <sighs> In conclusion, yeah, the um, Florida Project is a good movie. It's a very interesting movie, and you need to hmm. pay attention. So put your fucking phone down. Check it Cheryl, out, Cheryl. Put your fucking phone down and watch the yeah, movie. Definitely check it out. Uh, Willem Dafoe is great in it. Um, I think all the performances are really well They're done. Very, it's well a done. very realistic movie. The kids are great. Like, let's talk about that daughter. She knocked it out of the park. I mean, that little kid is that phenomenal. That crying scene at the end is amazing. Yeah, I don't that know. Is... I was wondering how they got her to do that yeah. because she's legitimately crying. Yeah, she is. Yeah. So I was impressed. Yeah, uh, impressive film. Um, I think um, uh, what I would like to watch. This is another, this is another one that I've seen, but. Uh, uh, we got to watch Under the Skin with Scarlett Johansson. Oh, yeah, that's going to be our next one that we're yeah, going to do because yeah. I haven't seen that. It's another very uh, kind of similar in that it's very re- hyper-realistic documentary-type uh-huh. style. Yeah. What did you call that? SOL? Slice of Life? Yes. It's very Slice of Life. Yeah, it's very Slice of Life. Yeah. All right. Um, well, I'm glad we had this talk. I'm glad we had this talk, and, um, you know, thanks for stopping by. <laughs> send, send help. Send help. Send popcorn. Ooh.